The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Good morning. Uh, Welcome again to Coastal Community Church. My name is Ryan. And uh, this week, uh, we are diving right into week five of our summer reading series and looking at the book uh, Alter Ego by Craig Groeschel. And uh, it's really an awesome book. If you haven't got the chance to read it, I encourage you to. Uh, It's a great book about discovering uh, your identity in Christ. And I actually brought the book up this morning with me because it's kind of interesting. Uh, If you first look at the book, uh, you might think that it's uh, misspelled, right? Because the word alter is, of course, spelled with the A. But uh, in the book, Craig Rochelle does a great job of actually uh, kind of showing how we need to lay um, what we think of ourselves down really at the altar of God and give it up to him. You know, so... Uh, the first, you know, word in the title is, of course, altar. And if you know anything about uh, maybe biblical history or just history in general, uh, you know that altar was where people would go to lay things down before God, to offer something up to God, you know, whether it was an animal or something of monetary value, uh, belonging, whatever it is, that's where they would go to offer something up to God. Um, and then the next word, of course, ego. We all know what our ego is, right? Uh, it's basically how we view ourselves, how uh, we think about ourselves, maybe uh, how highly we think of ourselves or even how low uh, we consider ourselves to be. And so that's what uh, we're able to see in this book by combining the two, this idea of laying something down to the altar and then talking about our ego, uh, we're able to see uh, what we truly need to lay down before God, right? And so we're going to look at how we need to lay down what we think of ourselves at the altar of God, you know, at God's feet, So we won't be who we think we are, like who this world has created us to be. Uh, We will actually become who God sees us to be. And so we're going to look at uh, four different things, four different things uh, that each one of us has to lay down uh, before God in order to become who he sees us as. And uh, for some people, uh, you maybe have already done one or you don't struggle with one or two or, or three of these, maybe four, maybe none. Maybe you don't struggle with any of these things Um, But the thing I want you to be thinking about through the entire message, this entire message this morning, is there's always something that you can improve on. Even if you don't struggle with one of these things, I'm sure you can improve on them. So just be specifically thinking, what do I need to lay down before God? Me specifically, what do I need to lay down before God? Because I guarantee you one of these things that we're going to talk about, one of these aspects uh, of our ego is something that you can improve on. And uh, just a a side note real quick, Uh, most of you already uh, probably saw the post-it note, uh, the little sticky that's on your outline uh, you got this morning. Just go ahead, you can set that off to the side, uh, but keep it uh, because we're going to come back to it in just a little bit. We'll talk about that more in just a little bit. Uh, But let's jump right into it, right? The first thing that we need to lay down in order to view ourselves uh, how God does is that I have to lay down my feelings of inadequacy, Right, my feelings of inadequacy, and I don't know about you, uh, but it just blows my mind how I can, like, anyone in general can go from, you know, just feeling so good about everything around them, like just happy, go lucky, everything is going well, and one thing changes, and all of a sudden, uh, the world is ending, right? You are just completely inadequate at everything you do, right? You know, maybe for you, it's uh, financially, right? Maybe comparing yourself uh, to others, you know, comparing houses or, or cars or vacations, that they take, um, and you just, you just start thinking, what's wrong with me? 
Like, what have they done to deserve all the stuff they have? Or, or what have I done to not deserve uh, what I don't have? And you, when you start to think about maybe what they do for a living, you just keep this comparison going, and it really takes you down a road of just feeling like you are completely uh, inadequate, right? Like, you just don't measure up. Or how about when you go over to uh, a friend's house, and their house doesn't smell like, like dirty dishes and feet, Right? And they don't have pet hair on every piece of furniture, and there's not kids' toys in every single room. Right? And you know, you look at their house, you look at them, and they're completely put together. Right? They've got the nice TV and appliances and house that looks like it just came off HGTV. And it's in that moment that you look at your friends and you love them, but you simultaneously hate them at the same time. Right? We all know that, that feeling. And it's in that moment that we start wondering why I can't live up to that. Or how about I'm a, I'm a youth pastor. Uh, so with students, I see it all the time. Right? It's funny, there's, uh, there's always those, those friends, and there's one of them who's like the super student, right? who, who studies all the time, works super hard, uh, does all their homework, uh, makes decent grades. You know, they, they try really hard. They make you know, A's, uh, B's, a C or two, whatever it is. They make decent grades. And then they have that friend right, who doesn't do anything, doesn't care about homework, shows it to a school, not even knowing there's a test, but somehow still aces it. Right? We've all seen that before, and um, for those that don't know, uh, my wife Gracie and I actually went to the same high school um, and then went to the same college as well. And uh, we were kind of friends in high school, but actually went into the same major in college. And this was really uh, the story of our life. We had every class together because we were in the same major. And uh, it was funny, you know, I was the one who was just trying so hard, right? I was studying all the time, just working my butt off, and she was just sitting over there not doing anything, right? I was just focused, and I would, I would try so hard to make these good grades, and she was just like watching football or something, I don't even know, and I would do my homework and then her homework half the time. It was that kind of relationship, and if you know us at all, you know that's a complete lie, right? I was, she was the superstar student. I was the, the bum that somehow made decent grades and uh, made her super mad every time I did. It was so funny after we get our test grades back, and she wouldn't talk to me for a little while, um, but that's how it works, right? That comparison up. Maybe it happens sometimes with your faith, too. Right? You all know those super Christians, right? the super Christians, especially the ones that have a Bible verse for every single thing that happens. Right? And they always have one that pertains. And uh, you know, Maybe you're driving down the road with your friend, and, and you drive past a Taco Bell, and they've got uh, another amazing combination of like meat, cheese, and tortilla for 99 cents. It's the same as the last creation, but it's, they just titled it different with a little bit of extra cheese, and it's amazing. And you're talking about how bad you want this, this new thing, and, but you're on a diet, so you can't do it, and you're just complaining. Right? And then your friend goes, you know, well, he will not tempt you more than you can handle. And you just, you know, like, you know what, Susan? I don't think the Doritos Cheesy Gordita Crunch was there when that verse was written. Right? I mean, that's just how it works. And, or maybe they're super good at praying. Right? We all know those people that when they start praying, it's like, okay, you know God took notice of that one. Right? And then you all go to dinner, and you're like, uh, rub-a-dub-dub. Please grass this grub. You got to have that one in your, in your repertoire. Uh, but that's just how it works. That's just how it works, right? We start thinking, we're a sucky Christian. I feel so inadequate. I just don't measure up. Whatever it is, right? We all feel it. And I've never personally felt it more uh, than about an hour after my wife told me she was pregnant, right? She told me, and we were like, oh, so amazing, so amazing. And then I started thinking of all the things that I don't do right now that I probably need to do in order to have a baby. I was like, man, like, I still make my wife make my daughter's appointments. Like, how am I gonna, how am I gonna have a child? It just, we all feel it. We all feel it. And there's really a bunch of reasons that we all feel this inadequacy. Right? There's a bunch of reasons. First off, someone's told you that you're inadequate. 
Right? Someone's told you you're inadequate. Someone told you you don't measure up. Right? Someone told you uh, you're not good enough or you don't have what it takes. Right? It could come from someone as uh, unimportant as a stranger in a store uh, to someone as influential in your life as a parent or a spouse. Right? No matter who it is, it still destroys uh, how we view ourselves. Right? Or, or another uh, reason for inadequacy is, inadequacy is actually the opposite. Maybe you've received um, unrealistic compliments. Does that make sense? Unrealistic compliments. Like someone's built you up. You said you're amazing. Like you're the best ever. They put you on such a pedestal. Right? And then in your head, you're just thinking, you don't know me. Right? I'm not that good. I'm not that amazing. And you just begin uh, to tear yourself down. Right? Or maybe the third one, maybe for you, it's just back to those comparisons that you tried to make between uh, yourself and others. You know, you see other people and their lives and just how successful they are. And you know, I'm not that successful. I'm not that attractive. I'm not that good of a Christian. I'm not that good at my job. Uh, whatever it is. You know, and, and stinking social media, right? I mean, that's really exasperated the issue to uh, the billionth degree, right? I mean, our, our social, in social media, we see the best of everyone else. They always post the best thing that's going on in their lives, and we compare it to the worst of ours. Right, one pastor actually said that uh, the biggest reason for this feeling of inadequacy is that we compare others' highlight reels to our behind the scenes. Right? We take the best of everyone, uh, every amazing part of their lives, and, and compare it to the worst of ours. That's what we do, and, and it's just a recipe for disaster. And so to kind of dig into this further, we're going to look at the story uh, of Gideon in Judges. Uh, it's Judges chapter 6, uh, verse 11 through 16. All right, so let's jump in. Verse 11 uh, says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the, uh, the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abirzite, uh, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Right, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Right, so just a little bit of uh, background. Um, so Gideon's in here uh, threshing wheat, and it's kind of weird because normally this is a process that's done like out in the open. Basically, he just waves the wheat around and it kind of blows out all the bad stuff, keeps the good wheat onto it. But he's doing it, uh, whereas opposed you do it in the open with wind and room, he's doing it down in a wine press, like kind of underground. It's obviously, oh, we can see that he's scared. Right? He's scared uh, of the Midianites. And so if we keep going in verse 13, it says, Pardon me, my Lord, uh, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt, us up out of Egypt? Uh, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in strength you have, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And again, he says, pardon me, my Lord, uh, which I think is super hilarious because he's about to like doubt God, but he says, pardon me. It's like, kind of like no offense, even though I'm about to offend you. Right? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Right? This, is, this is crazy to me. Even in the presence like, of the angel of the Lord, the presence of the Lord himself is in front of Gideon, telling him what he needs to do, how he can do it. Uh, and he's just saying how weak he is, right? how worthless he is, how he just can't do it. And, and we do the same thing, right? Every day of our lives, we're faced with opportunities uh, to do great things for God, you know, opportunities to be who God wants us to be, or specifically do 
uh, what God wants us uh, to do. But we doubt ourselves. Right? We get so caught up uh, in this inadequate view of ourselves that we've created or, or someone else has created or whoever it is uh, that we fail to notice that God is sitting right in front of us. Right? He's saying, I will be with you. I am with you. Right? We have to lay down these feelings uh, of inadequacy. Right? We have to remember that God's view of us is completely different than our view of us. Right? We have to remember that we are put in a place for a reason and a purpose, and we have everything that we need to fulfill that purpose. We are good enough to fulfill that purpose. Because right? when you're feeling inadequate, you have to realize that you already have everything you need to do what God is calling you to do. You already have it all, so we have to lay down these feelings of inadequacy. Right? So that's the first one. The second thing, the second thing on your outline there that we have to lay down at the altar uh, in order uh, to see God how, or to see ourselves how God sees us is our need for control. And I have to lay down my need for control. All right, so help me out with something real quick. Uh, how many people here today like to be in control? Just go ahead and raise your hand. How many people like to be in control? I mean, that's, that's pretty right. I mean, that's pretty normal. We all like to be in control, kind of. And so this section is really for you. Uh, but even more so, if you found yourself trying to raise the hand of the person next to you, this is, and then you really need to pay attention uh, to this section, this section right here. Um, but when you, when you think about it, there's really a lot of different elements in our lives that we try and control, right? I mean, maybe uh, there's some situations that you do let control, you have to have control, and then there's others that you don't really care about. You know, maybe uh, for some of you, it's like work versus home. Like you go to work and everything has to be perfect. You have to be in control of everybody else at the work environment. And then when you get home, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Right? Or maybe it's the opposite. Like you're at work and you could care less about being there. You're just trying to get home. But then when you're at home, it's like everything has to be perfect. Everything in its place. You just have to have a control. Um, for me, it's really two things. Two things that I feel like I have to be in control of. Uh, first off is driving. I don't know if anybody else is like that. Uh, it's kind of weird because it's not so much all the time. Like maybe on like long car trips or something, I'll drive for a little bit, but I don't really care about the rest of it. But on like a daily basis, just driving around town, I feel like I always have to be in control of that situation. Like I feel like I just have to be driving. I don't know what it is, it's weird. Um, but the second thing is that I feel like one that maybe a lot of guys can relate to. Um, you know, if you think about in your house, right? I mean, the, the wife can design the kitchen, she can pick out the furniture, the paint colors, whatever it is. But that remote control, right? <laughs> That remote control is something that only like, I believe men are partially maybe like God ordained to handle that remote control at the time. Because we know, guys know that it's not about what's on TV, right? It's like what else could be on TV. Right? That's what's important, right? And we're the best at watching like, I don't know, like five different shows at one time, super efficient at clicking through commercials. And that's how it is uh, with me. It's all about control. It's just insane. Right? We all have those specific things where we just have to be in control of. And really, there's two different kind of groups of things we control. Right? We like to try and control people, and we like to try and control circumstances. Right? With people, you know, everyone always says, uh, God has a plan for their lives, and basically, you're trying to be God and have a plan for their lives. Right? That's trying to be in control of people. And then in circumstances, you, know, you try to just control everything around you, from you know, the schedules of people around you to even how others view you and how they think about you. Right? We, can't, we can't control it all. We just can't, no matter how hard we try, but we want to. And why is that? Why do we want to be in control? It's because our egos are out of control. 
We want to be in control because our ego is out of control. We know what's best. We believe that we know what's right and how things should go. We're the smartest, we're the best, we know. Uh, we see the perfect example of this uh, in the story of Abraham and Sarah in Genesis. And uh, what's happened is a little backstory is God has come to Abraham and Sarah and told them that they're basically gonna father the next generation. They're gonna have tons of descendants, have tons of kids. Um, and what's crazy about this is that up until this point, uh, Sarah's actually been barren. She's been unable uh, to conceive a child. Uh, but God comes to them and says, this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna have all these kids uh, but, and this is what's going to happen. But, you know, like a lot of us, uh, it's not happening fast enough, right? It's not happening on their timeline. You know, God's not working on their timeline. And so they kind of take it into uh, themselves, take it upon themselves to take control of the situation. Um, so we can pick it up in Genesis uh, 16, verses 1 through 4. And also just a little context, uh, when this, the, in the verse, uh, the original names of Sarah and Abraham were Sarai and Abram. Um, before their names were changed. That's what this verse says. Uh, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Uh, so she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Uh, Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, uh, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. All right, so what do we see in that story? All right, these two people made the conscious decision to rely on their own ego, right, to, control, to control the situation because they knew what was right. right. They were smarter than God. They knew how things should go in that situation. And you can only imagine the chaos uh, that was going to ensue. Right, so what happened is that uh, Hagar gave birth to a son, Ishmael, uh, so they had that son. And then a little later on, uh, Abraham and Sarah were actually able to conceive and had another son uh, named Isaac. Right? And just like in our lives, when we make a decision that we know is maybe a little bit questionable and we're kind of just like bracing ourselves for what's gonna happen and nothing really does in that moment, so you're like, maybe that wasn't as bad. Right? That's kind of what happened here. We know the chaos is gonna ensue. We know bad things are gonna happen eventually. We just don't know when. Uh, but it's amazing because we are still centuries later dealing with the chaos uh, from Abraham and Sarah's decision. So, right, the descendants of Ishmael are actually uh, the Palestinians now. Those are his descendants. And the descendants of Isaac, who are the two different sons, uh, they're actually the Jews. So the Palestinians and the Jews are still at war uh, today. Right? So it's just crazy to think about that wars centuries later are still being fought over the decision uh, of two people back then. It's just mind-blowing to me. You know, and you're probably sitting here right now thinking, you know, oh, that's kind of extreme. Right? I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm not going to go have a child with my maidservant. You know, that's not you. Um, but it, it's going to be something. Right? There's always going to be something. You know, maybe you're the, the single female sitting in church this morning and, uh, you know, you feel like your, your clock is ticking on your future. You just haven't found the right guy. You haven't found the right Christian guy that God's going to bring into your life. Right? So you decided to take it upon yourselves. Right, you think, oh, you know, he's good enough. Right, he's good enough for me. Uh, you, and you force something. You manipulate. You, you compromise and settle for something that is less than God's best for you. Right, or maybe uh, for you it's, again, financially. Right, maybe you're, you consider yourself a Christian. You know what a tithe is. 
Uh, you know that it's, it's meant for God, but, but you say, I'm going to do it later. I'm, you know, I'm going to do it when we can afford it, or I'm going to do it when we're out of debt, right? And you manipulate the situation. Yeah, you, you manipulate the circumstances uh, that are supposed to be under God's control and make them uh, your own. You know, we all do it uh, in one way or another. And what happens is it actually takes us further away uh, from the life that God has planned for us. And now, don't get me wrong, there are you know, times when it is up to us uh, to make things happen. Right? There are certain situations and circumstances where God puts things under our control. Uh, but we have to be able to discern is when those situations are. Uh, we have to ask ourselves, is this one of those situations where I'm required to do something? We have to determine what those situations are because we have to realize Right? That surrendering control is not the same thing as surrendering responsibility. Right? Surrendering control is not the same thing as surrendering responsibility. Like financially, you still have to be responsible, right? You still have to budget your money wisely or spend wisely, spend it responsibly. Right? But after that, it's up to God. Right? You have to do what you have to do to then allow God to bless you. And that's why we have to give up our need for control. Right, so, so we've got uh, the first two things, right? I have to lay down my feelings of inadequacy and I have to lay down my need for control. The third thing to lay down is, it's interesting, is that I have to lay down my right to be offended. Like, I have to lay down my right to be offended. And this is one of my favorite because so many people today are so easily offended, right? I mean, there's probably people in this room that are gonna get offended because I said they're probably gonna get offended. Right? That's just kind of what uh, the world has become today. And it's just by every little thing, right? And again, social media. That social media has just taken this thing so far, right? I'm convinced that finding something to be offended about and then having an argument about that thing they're offended about is like 90% of the reason why people have social media. It's like 90% of the reason why they go on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. It's just to have those, those arguments and get offended. And so we have to realize, why do we get offended? It's because of our inflated egos, Right, we know the answers. Our expectations should apply to everyone else at all times. All right, for some people, it's, uh, it's politics. Uh, maybe for others, it's religious beliefs or uh, attitudes, actions, whatever it is. Uh, for me, it's, it's back to the driving, right? I, I think that my expectations of how people should drive are really my downfall in driving. I don't know if anyone else is like that. Um, but it, it's crazy. You know, I feel like I'm a pretty courteous driver, most of the time, you know, I feel like if, if someone's trying to get into my lane, there's enough room, I'm going to let them over. Or if I can see that they need to get into this lane to get somewhere else or maybe coming out of a shopping center or something like that, I feel like, you know, I'm pretty courteous in that way. But the thing is, like, if, if I let you over, let you out, there's two things. First off, don't poke, you know, like, let's keep it moving. Like, because if you just pull out in front of me and then you go super slow, it's going to happen is I'm going to end up like six inches behind your car for the next mile. It's just not going to be good for anybody. All right, and then the second thing, and maybe this is uh, being brought up in the South a little bit, I don't know. Like when you pull out in front of me or I let you over or something, it just takes one little, you know, one little wave. All right, that's all it takes. One little wave uh, of acknowledgement. And if I don't see that, I get so irrationally offended. Right, like they are now mortal enemy number one if I don't get that wave. It's, it's weird. I just can't help it. But I'm sure many of you do the same thing with, with certain situations, whatever it is. Right, we all have that one thing that ticks us off. We all have that one thing that, that takes us over the edge. 
But we have to realize is that being offended is actually a choice that we make. You know, it's not a condition or something that people impose upon us, right? It's a choice that we make. And actually, it's funny to think about, we can make the choice not to be offended. We can actually make that choice to not be offended. We can choose to lay it down. It's crazy to think about it, right? By choosing not to live out of our ego, Right? We are no longer so insecure that we have to be right or we have to win. Because right? what happens when one person wins? One person loses. Right? One person wins, one person loses. So by that logic, uh, we're almost going out of our way uh, to find something to get offended about. It's crazy. I mean, again, being a youth pastor, I'm convinced uh, that some of the most solid friendships uh, between teenagers are built on a common offense. Right? Like two girls that don't like the same girl, those girls are instantly best friends, right? But then it goes this, oh, the opposite way too. Like gr- people can be, not even just girls, guys can be best friends for so long. And then there's that one little thing, right? One little offense that they get offended by. And next you know, they never talk to each other again. It's just crazy to me. Huh. But again, why is that? I just keep coming back to this. Why is that? It's because of our egos, right? Because of how we view ourselves as opposed to how God views us. We have to stop focusing so much on how wrong we think everyone else is right? and start focusing on ourselves because we've all got issues. Right? We've all got issues to where if we actually spent time focusing on those issues, I guarantee you we would spend a lot less time getting mad and offended at everybody else. You can look at Paul in the Bible as a perfect example. Paul, uh, before he became a Christian, before he became the Apostle Paul, uh, he was actually responsible for the murder of tons of Christians. Right? It was actually his job to travel around, arrest, and extradite Jews back to Jerusalem uh, in order to be murdered. Right? But the amount of grace shown to him by God and then other Christians uh, later on was enough to overcome all those just crazy offenses that he had made. Right? So think about it. Right? Has God shown grace to you in your life? Right? If the answer isn't yes, you're lying. You know, and think about it even further. Uh, do you hope other people will extend grace to you when you mess up? Right? I mean, I'm sure the answer is yes. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Basically, what it's saying is that because of the grace that God has given us, we have to not let it be about our ego. Right? Instead of focusing on all the things uh, that offend us because of this self-focused ego that we have, right, we honestly need to think less about ourselves and more about the measure of faith that God has given to us. Because right? when we do this, right, what's going to happen is that uh, we start maybe giving grace to other people a little more. Right? In certain, certain situations when people start to mess up, you're more likely uh, to give out grace in those situations right? because of the grace that God has given you. And again, this is a tough one. Right? Uh, being offended is really something that I think um, society has just kind of ingrained into us. Right? We're supposed to be offended at anything that we don't agree with. That's what the news says, that's what social media says. Right? But if we're being honest... If we're being honest, getting offended uh, at every little thing, it damages us in, in more ways than it ever damaged anyone else. It hurts us way more than it hurts anyone else. 
We have to follow the, the verse uh, found in Ephesians 4, 2 of the New Living Translation. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. You never know what someone else is going through. You never know the circumstances that other people are facing in their lives. Grace becomes the key. Understanding that everyone has a bad day or two or maybe three. Whatever it is, everyone has a bad day. But you have to remember that someone else's bad day is not about you. It's not about you. Be humble, be patient, uh, be gentle, extend grace. Lay down your right to be offended. And then lastly, lastly, one that is possibly even tougher than laying down our right to be offended, uh, but potentially way more impactful, uh, is I have to lay down my longing for approval. I have to lay down my longing for approval. And, And that's a tough one. I think we can all agree that we have just a deep, desire uh, to be approved of, right? to be liked, to be loved, to be accepted. Right? That's what we all want. I know I sound like a broken record here, but again, social media, right? why do you even post something? It's to get likes. Literally, I mean, social media is there for you to get likes because it's, it's all about this approval. And while likes and approval are amazing, they make you feel so good, disapproval is like the end of the world, man. It just weighs you down so much. I mean, think about it. Here today, this morning, say out of the 250-ish people that are here in this room this morning, after the service, 249 of you could come up to me and say, man, that was just the greatest message ever. Like, it's exactly what I needed to hear. It was so amazing. And my head would get super big and I'd feel awesome. You know, I'd be floating around and everything. But then that 250th person could come up to me and say, that was horrible. You were trash. That was the worst message ever. And I guarantee you in that moment, the 249 that came before that person wouldn't mean a single thing. I'd be so focused on that disapproval from that 250th person. It's because of our longing for approval. And I would guess a lot of you are the same exact way. You know, maybe at work, you're just, you you work your butt off. You know, you do everything well. Everyone says you're doing a good job. But you've got that one coworker that maybe you don't see eye to eye with. And they just come by and give you that little slight, that little dig that just kind of sets you off, right? And then you get so down on yourself because not everybody approves of you. Right? This one person doesn't approve of you or what you're doing and it just becomes this, this big thing, right? And living this life you know, of longing for the approval of others, it's just like living a life of being offended by everything or, or feeling like you need to be in control of everything or, or just living a life where you constantly put yourself down and you consider yourselves inadequate, This is the exact opposite of how God sees each and every one of us. And again, one more time, why do we do this? Just why? It's it's back to our egos. Our egos and our view of ourselves is so incredibly insecure all the time. Our egos are just crying out, like me, love me, uh, affirm me, accept me, make me feel good about myself. And if we're not careful, that can send us straight off the deep end. If we're not careful, we're going to miss one of the most powerful truths and honestly, one of the biggest dangers about living a life of attempting to please everybody else. This truth is that becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. Becoming obsessed with what other people think about you is the quickest way to forgetting what God thinks about you. Proverbs 29, 25 
says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Right? And the, the Hebrew word for snare there is actually um, mokesh, and it literally means trap. And when I say literally, I mean literally. It's actually what animal herders would use uh, to move their animals around. It was like a stick uh, with a hook on the end. They would actually stick it in the, the animal's nose and kind of move them around. Uh, it became a trap for the animals. And so fear of man, right? fear of disapproval will prove to be your trap. So trust in the Lord uh, and he will keep you safe. He will keep you safe from disappointment and sadness and a lack of love. Right? He'll keep you safe uh, from all of these things. Right? If you really think about it, uh, this desire for approval, right? this desire for approval from others really infiltrates every single part of our lives. From the second we wake up, we pick out our clothes and our hair, you know, to the decisions you make at work, to when you come home and you post on social media, whatever it is, all these decisions are made uh, with the thought of how are people gonna think about me? And in all honesty, that's actually uh, a sin. That's a sin, it's actually idolatry. It's putting the approval of other people ahead of God's opinion of you. And we're just not supposed to do that. You know, it's making people too big in our lives and God too small. You know, in fact, it really could be the most limiting factor in your life. I think about if you're, if you're a parent, Think if you're a parent and your only focus is having your kid like you. They're gonna like you, but they're never gonna respect you in the way that you sh they should. Uh, or how about students? Right? Students, whatever age, whatever age it is, you know, if you're so focused on everyone liking you and doing the things everyone wants you to do, you're never gonna be able to lead in the way that God has called you to, or, you know, to live that life uh, that he's calling to you. In your business, we all know there's decisions that have to be made that are, that are difficult, uh, but maybe they're the right decision. And if you're too worried about what people are gonna think about you, you're never gonna be able to make those decisions. I hear this, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you cannot be consumed with what people think of you because you can not simultaneously live for the approval of others and the approval of God. It doesn't work that way, it's not possible. Fear of man will be a snare, but trust in the Lord and you will be safe. You see, this entire book, all the things that we went through, my fear of inadequacy, my need for control, my right to be offended, my longing for approval, these are all things that steer us away from God. And they not only steer us away from God, but they change who you are to you. You have to understand, God views you as the greatest creation ever. He put every single hair on your head specifically. He puts you in every situation and circumstance, not for you to struggle, but for you to thrive. We have to see this. We are not the labels that people give us. We are not who other people say we are. We are not the broken self-image that we see half the time when we look in the mirror. And so my question again for you today is, what do you need to lay down? Specifically, what do you need to lay down? What do you need, or what do you need to lay down that's keeping you from seeing yourself the way God does? And uh, if you still have that sticky note, uh, that post note, you can go ahead and pull it out. Uh, what we're gonna do today is just if you would like to, uh, we're gonna give you the opportunity to, to leave something at the altar this morning. Uh, whatever it is you're struggling with, Right? It could be one of the things we talked about today. It could even be something else. Whatever it is, you could just take a second to write on that sticky note if you'd like. 
just whatever there's one of those four things, anything that's keeping you from valuing yourself like God does. You know, whatever it is, uh, you can actually write it on that sticky note, and then you can actually leave it on one of the uh, community tables anywhere around the room this morning when you get up. All right, so you can go ahead and write that down. I'm actually going to pray for us real quick, and then we're going to move into that time of response. Father God, uh, just, just thank you. Uh, thank you, God, for giving us a place to come before you uh, and just lay all of the burdens. God, all of our burdens, all of our worries, all of our issues and troubles, uh, just giving us a place to lay them down. Uh, thank you for taking our feelings of inadequacy and showing us that, that we are worth so much more than we think. God, thank you for allowing us to step back, uh, to, to not have to be in control and know that you've got us. God, thank you for showing us um, how to not to make the approval of others our main focus in our life. And thank you for making us your own. Thank you for loving us so much that no matter what we do, uh, we are still yours. Uh, we are still your sons and daughters adopted into your forever family. And if you're here this morning and you haven't before, uh, but today you're ready to lay it all down at the altar, uh, to lay it all down at the cross and give it all to God, uh, pray this with me. Uh, thank you, God, for loving us uh, so much that you sent your son down to make sure that no matter what sin we commit, uh, we can still come home to you. I thank you for taking everything wrong with me, every imperfect thing that I brought upon myself and wiping them away. I thank you for making me uh, clean and brand new and giving me a future in heaven with you. God, I believe that you are who you say you are. And today I'm ready to take the step back home and become the person uh, that you've always seen me as. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.